Hi guys, welcome to the All Our Mothers podcast. My name's Miggy, I'm your host and the founder of All Our Mothers. We're a brand new platform building communities online and in real life while celebrating the diversity of motherhood and promoting a much more inclusive narrative. So, let's get started, shall we? so honoured to be joined by Lina today. Lina's going to be talking about the loss of her first baby, Teo, and how she managed with postpartum after experiencing that loss. Please be advised that today's content may be triggering to many. We recorded this session at Soho House Berlin, so there is some background noise. Who's there with us? Hi, Lina. Hi. So nice of you. To have me into him as well. Oh, of course. I've been really wanting to for a long time. I really think that your story is so important for many reasons. I guess the audience will learn that themselves as you talk, as you talk and tell me your story. Maybe before we go into it, you can just tell us a little bit about you. We're in Berlin at Soho House, which is quite a nice Saturday. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but you are not actually from Berlin originally. No, no, I'm German, but I grew up in the north of Germany. And I spent quite a lot of my teenage years and then my 20s abroad. And I met my husband abroad. He's French. And about nine years ago, we moved back to Germany, Frankfurt first, and then five years ago, we moved to Berlin. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is where we're going to stay for another while at least. And you live with your husband and you have a daughter. Yes, she's 16 months already. So maybe if we get started by talking about your pregnancy with Taya. Yeah. How was the pregnancy? It was really easy. It was like one of those picture-perfect pregnancies without any complications. I felt great. I didn't put on too much weight. I was able to work up until I think four weeks before the birth, there was nothing nothing wrong at all with me or the baby or the pregnancy in general. So that was, yeah, it, it's a time that I really still cherish because it was just such a nice time. I really enjoyed being pregnant. So that was, that, in my mind, that's now one of the nicer memories when I think about Theo. So I really... T- I'm really glad that I managed to enjoy the pregnancy with him and to bond with him as well. Maybe we could talk a bit about the birth. Mm-hmm. It was also really easy until it wasn't. So it was, um, I had a birthing house firsthand. Oh, okay. So that was really nice and it was really close to the hospital. So, you know, you go in there and they tell you, oh, nothing ever happened. And it was really, really easy. I mean, the contraction started on a Sunday afternoon. And I just kept on working with Theo on contractions, and it was it was just. But I had a really relaxed attitude about giving birth. Mm. So I just had this very deep trust in my body and in, in the whole process of giving birth as a woman and you know as a child to work together. Yeah. So it was. I was never scared of the pain or of the whole thing. Okay. You know, yeah. <laughs> of the whole did concept you do, of giving birth. Did you do much in terms of preparation? Not really. No. Yeah. <laughs> I have a sister, or well, I have sisters, and they have given birth before. And I don't know, for me, it was never something crazy. Mm. So for me, it was always something very natural, mm. something that I was sure I was going to manage. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was going to be painful, I knew it was going to be 
you know, there was going to be times that were going to be really difficult, but I never feared it. Yeah. So for me, it was something quite exciting when it started. And we went to the Bourse House, or the Burping House, on Monday morning, and I was already eight or nine centimeters dilated without really feeling much pain. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I, so, I'd felt the contractions during the night, and yeah. I was walking, and I took baths, and, but I never thought that I, you know, was that, that you exactly, were that far exactly. Ahead. Wow. So my so husband you dropped me off. Nine centimeters, completely unassisted. Yeah. Like at home, and thinking that exactly. you were really early on. Exactly. So, okay. so my husband dropped me off at the at the Bergen House and went to the office to you know check if he or wait for my checkup to to tell them okay was it going to be today or yeah. you know could he get some work done before his paternity leave Ooh. and I went in and they did the checkup and they were like oh yeah you better call your husband because you're about to give birth yeah. <laughs> so it was a really relaxed atmosphere because they were like oh my god everything's going so well I went into the birthing tub and everything was just it was just really peaceful and calm. So it was it was March, at the end of March. It was quite cold, but it was sunny. So it was just this really nice atmosphere, you know, like a spring, everything coming, and um, it was really really calm. Obviously, I don't really remember everything, and it was it was it got more and more painful. <laughs> but even the midwives, they were like, "Oh, this is an easy birth. This is going to be like an hour two max." So that was. Around 11. Yeah. So you're, you're in the birth house, so yeah. there is no pain relief anyway, right? No, and, no. You, and you still didn't feel like you needed it? No. no. I really, I mean, they were really helpful. They were, they were such a good guidance in, you know, what to do and how to breathe and how to move your body and how to deal with the whole thing. So yeah. whenever there was something, they could always give me really good it's really difficult to, to describe, but it was really the perfect birth until it wasn't. Mm. So, yeah. so the good thing about the board house or the building house birth is that the midwives check the heartbeat between every contraction, mm -hmm. which doesn't generally happen at hospitals. Right. They manage to catch it really early, so just from one contraction to the next, the heartbeat was gone. So it wasn't even that it dropped or anything; it was just gone, and they couldn't find it and. The next contraction came and I checked again and it was really bizarre because it was a Monday morning so the whole, like all of the midwives were at the Geburt's house for their weekly meeting. So the more experienced midwives came as well and they all realized that there was something terribly wrong mm -hmm. and they called the ambulance and I was brought to the hospital really quickly. Mm -hmm. But because everything just happened so quickly at a cesarean, I think after like four minutes after I was at the hospital. But yeah, there was nothing they could do. They tried to reanimate him for about 30 minutes, and I think that's like the, the protocol. Mm -hmm. It was really hard. Yeah, cool. So it's, it's something that you really don't expect. Yeah. Something that you, I mean, I, I think it comes across every pregnant woman's mind that something could happen, but you always think, yeah, it could, but it's not going to. Or you just don't really think about it anymore because it's just too painful to think about it. Yeah. So you... you kind of put it out of your exactly. head. Exactly. Really being an option. Exactly. It's, it's not an option. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And then when it does, it's very surreal. Yeah. So I have to admit that the whole, you know, transport to the hospital and waking up and realizing that the baby wasn't there was... Well, he was there, but he wasn't. 
it's very blurry because obviously I had a very very quick C-section, so I was put under. Exactly. I woke up and. I was still a bit blurry, and it's it's just this very confusing memory that I have, and I think it's also because I have memories that I was told, so they mix up with the with the things that I remember, and that I then was told by other people, by my husband, by the midwives, and now I have this very strange memory in my head. Yeah. So you woke up after the cesarean, and your your husband yeah, he was there. It must have been a huge grief that you. Were dealing with what did they do for you? Strangely, we were still, you know, brought to the Kaiser, which is the birthing room in, in hospitals. So we were there, and Tia was there with us. So we were able to hold him and we were able to cuddle him, and that was really nice. It, it sounds very bizarre you to cuddle a dead baby, but it was really all we needed. Um, I mean, I've heard very different stories now of how these things can go, and I think we were quite lucky. Mm -hmm with how the hospital handled it and how we handled it ourselves and how our family supported us and how our friends did. But the hospital experience, I think it was great, which also sounds very strange, I, I guess, because it's, it's such a terrible thing that happened to us. But they, for example, they put me on the gynecology ward, so I was mainly with breast cancer patients and not with, um, with newborn babies mm -hmm. and, and mums. So that was great because I didn't hear any crying babies yeah. or anything. I, I wasn't there with any pregnant mums, you know, oh, so how far along are yeah. you? <laughs> oh, sorry, you know, so it, it, was, it was really good because a lot of very awkward situations were avoided. Yeah. I mean, I noticed and, and that the staff didn't really know how to, how to deal with me. And it was really kind because one of the nurses actually came up to me and she was like, I'm, I'm so sorry, I, I, I really don't know what to say and what to do. So. You know, please apologize if we're a little bit awkward around you, but this doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So, and I found that really great that she just came up and mm -hmm. that she wasn't trying to be cheerful or cheer me up and, yeah. you know, just downplay the whole thing or ignore the whole thing. The doctors were great. I mean, it was overall, overall it was a really nice hospital stay. Mm. So they were very friendly. My parents came every day. They brought me good food. They brought me, you know, fresh orange juice. Yeah. And so how long did you stay? I stayed three days. Did they find any like, explanation? For yes, they did. There? So it was a placental abruption, as well, or, or a partial one. It wasn't a full placental abruption, but also a placental insufficiency, but not a very intense one. Mm. So he probably would have survived either, but not both. Things happening together, right. and that was just very unfortunate. Wow. It's like it's tough luck. So, but it also helped me a lot because I knew that it was just a freak accident. Mm -hmm. I knew it was nothing genetic. I knew it's not something that I could have done differently. You know, it's not something that I did in pregnancy that yeah. could have prevented it. Yeah. And that's something that really helped me in dealing with it afterwards, yeah. I think. So How long did it take for them to actually confirm that that's what happened? The abruption was pretty clear because when they cut me open there was blood yeah. and part of the placenta was attached. Yeah. So, But it was actually a good thing the way it had detached because it saved me. <laughs> because it basically just detached in the middle, so all the blood collected in the like between the placenta and the, the womb, the uterus walls. 
Okay, so actually it could have been quite different. It could have been yeah. quite different. It could have, I mean, this is also why they noticed so late. Mm. So it's, there are good things and bad things about it, but basically if the whole thing had detached, I could have let out as well. So yeah. it's, I don't know, I, I always try to see the ups yeah. in the whole story. Yeah. Which is what really amazed me about you. I have mm. to say, last time we met Lena, when you told me about your stories, that how you seem to just continuously find some positive, even in a devastating situation. Mm. I have to say, I was quite surprised by myself as well, because I'm generally, I'm, I'm not a sad person, but I'm not the most optimistic person mm. in the world in general. Mm. So I try to be upbeat about things, but I often get dragged down. And then when I was in this situation, I was really amazed at how strong I could be. Yeah. So I was very rational at the beginning. So I started Googling, I started reading immediately. I started finding out how I could deal with this in the best possible way. Yeah. So I was like, this could kill me, this could drown me, and I could never get out of this yeah. again. And I knew that. And I went into survival mode very quickly. So I think it was really great because we had him for two days. So it was something, like he was even allowed to stay with us for one night. So it was this, I was able to process it and I was able to see how he changed. And I was able to witness that he wasn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. So when he was born, because his heart had stopped beating only a very short while ago, he looked like a perfectly healthy baby. And the next day he didn't. Yeah. So I think for me this process was really helpful to say goodbye mm -hmm. and to know that it's the end. Mm -hmm. So I think I think this this really helped me to close this very brief chapter of having him in my life. Yeah. I mean, he would always stay in my life, but to actually physically have him there. And then, as soon as we tended him over, I was able to focus on how to continue. Yeah. Because I knew that this part was now over, and that I now needed to to focus on myself and on my husband, on our little family, to to make things work again. Mm -hmm. And. One of the first things I found was this uh, photography. Um, oh, I remember you telling me about that. They came in and they took pictures of him, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And I just started googling things, mm -hmm. like how to how to deal with it, what are the possibilities, what can you do, what's what's out there for people like me. And I think the well, the problem in Germany is that there isn't that much information out there. So mm -hmm. I found a lot of information on English websites. Right. Or American, you know, that English-speaking website, mm -hmm. English-language website, and um, that's what I found really bizarre. That there's just so much information out there, but it's really hard to find. And I think if you are in a state of mind that wasn't as clear as mine or as rational as mine, you'd have a really hard time finding these things, especially in German. I mean, I got a little leaflet with people who could help me psychologically, self-help groups and these kind of things, but that was it. So I was directed toward the funeral director, but they couldn't really tell us the name because they can't advertise. We don't, there, there are a few in Berlin who are specialized in child funerals. A photographer who took pictures of, of, of my child still, and then still able to, to see him from another point of view. Which is actually a really great thing. It's a big network of volunteers. Yeah. I think it started they yeah, it started in America. And then there's just little 
networks now who've popped up all over the world. And I think it's just a really, really important thing because you will never see that child again. And if I didn't have the, the pictures, I mean, of course I remember him, but I don't really. So it's it's very blurry. It was only two days, and you know you forget two days so very quickly. Yeah. And of course I think of him, and, and it's not even that I need the pictures to not forget about him, but sometimes it's just so precious to look at them. Yeah. So yeah. And to see me with him as well. Oh, it's so, so important. Yeah. yeah. And, and my husband, and to see us all together as a family. Mm -hmm. So that's very, very great. Yeah. And there are a lot of other things available that, that you can do when when you've had a baby loss, even before giving birth and even afterwards. I mean, there's a, in Germany we have a postpartum pelvic floor exercise mm, classes, you know. Yeah. And for me, it was it wasn't even a thought that I would go there. Mm. You know, I'd given birth. I'd been through the contractions nearly up until the end. You know, he was. He wasn't crowning, but he was very close. And then I had the cesarean, and my pelvic floor was in pieces, you know. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> but for me, it wasn't even an option to go there. Mm. I mean, I was, because there's just going to be a room full of mm. new mums in their little baby bubble. Yeah. Um, no, no, not going there. But then I found out that there's actually a course for grieving mums. Oh, wow. So that was really nice meeting meeting a, a group of mums. I mean, we've all had different stories, and, but still, the, the grief for a child was the main thing that united us. Yeah. And sounds fantastic. I know, that's, like that yeah. So that was really really great. And this is actually one thing that I found the most important to find somebody else who's gone through the same thing. Mm. So. I think it was important that I had my husband and we helped each other a lot, but we grieved very differently. Yeah. Very, very differently. And it was really difficult at times because I often had the feeling that he just continued with his life and, you know, it was just very different. And actually, the day that I got out of the hospital, I posted in a Facebook group. And I just asked if anybody had experienced something similar. Mm -hmm. And I actually found two women who'd experienced very, very similar situations just three weeks earlier. Right. So, and we still meet today, and, and the contact with them was, I think, the most important step in helping me to continue. Because you could talk to somebody who would tell you that you are not going crazy. Mm -hmm. Because you have these crazy thoughts in your head all the time. You think you're dreaming, you think about it all the time, you have these really, let's just call them evil thoughts mm. towards women, yeah. to women with little babies. And it's just really helpful to have somebody there besides a psychologist yeah. who will tell you that these things are completely normal because they feel them too. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I, I think that's, if anything ever happens, it doesn't even have to be a baby loss or something, but if, if you have a trauma, just find somebody who's gone through something very similar. Yeah. Well, it's really a testament to your strength that mm. you were able to find these things. Like, really, I, yeah. I think that's amazing that you were able to do that for yourself. I don't know how I did it, to be honest. Yeah. 
Oh, I guess mm. you just went into some kind yeah. of like strength mode. Yeah. <laughs> you were nice. like, I, I need to survive. Yeah. How am I going to do this? Yeah. I need to I find think, support. I think it was very, I had ups and downs, and the mm. ups were really great, and the downs were really down. Yeah. So I think in those ups, I was just, okay, I need, to get, I need to get this done. I need to get this sorted. I need to get me out of this. And it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of fun. I think it kind of worked. Yeah. So you mentioned the, the classes for grieving mothers. So mm -hmm. let's uh, get into this autonomist event and what that really looks like for yeah. somebody who's experienced loss. So obviously that's one one topic and going to these rehabilitation courses yeah. um, that new new mums generally go to. But what about other things? Kind of what the your reception was from these people, like people who were around you, neighbours or people mm -hmm. who saw you throughout your pregnancy and then um, afterwards, during your fourth trimester, while you were um, postpartum, like how they how they treated you, how you were received, and how you felt. Ah, it's really difficult. I mean, yeah. it was just such a whirlwind of a time, and I was positively surprised by some, mm. and very negatively surprised by others. Mm. So, it's I, I think nobody knows how to deal with a mum who's just lost a baby, including the mum herself. Yeah. So when people came up, they were like, what do you need? And I was like, I don't yeah. know. I, right now I need this, but in five minutes I will need something completely different mm. because it's just such a such an emotional rollercoaster. And I mean, everybody was waiting on like for news on the baby. So I just sent out a message to most of my friends and fam um, family, not I think my family then contacted the others. But just to my closest friends, I just sent out a message. This is what happened. Um, I'll get in touch when I can. And I could immediately tell who was going to be there for me uh, just by the reactions. It was really great to know that I could rely on most of my friends. Mm. I mean, a few friendships have gone because it just didn't work. And I found a lot of new friendships as well, which is, which is a really nice thing. But generally, it was just this very odd thing because I was a new mum and nobody could see it. I couldn't walk very well for a long time. I still had these hormonal things, you know, hormonal ups and downs, plus the grief. Mm -hmm. So I was in a state where I'd just sometimes walk into a shop and start crying. Mm -hmm. And people would just look at me. So I felt very conscious because you also have the belly. You have the, you have the postpartum figure, which... I generally don't mind at all. And now, with Emmy, with my daughter, I didn't care at all. But that's because I had a baby to show why I looked like that, why I was in this shape. I really didn't care because I'd given to a healthy, living baby girl. And I was just really happy about that. But I, I, I was really self-conscious about myself after Teal because there was nothing to show. So it was this really... People just didn't know. People saw me in the street and they had no idea what just happened. Yeah. They had no, and sometimes I just wanted people to ask me, how are you? Weren't you pregnant? Yeah. But so many people ignored it. So, so many people that I wasn't close to, they didn't really mention it. They just walked past, hi, and they didn't even ask, how are you? Because they knew exactly, like, oh, I don't want to go there. Um, don't want to hurt her or don't want to, you know, if I ask about the baby, it might hurt her. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's it's hurting all the time. And if you ask me about it, it's actually a nice thing. It's actually something to, to acknowledge that something had happened. And I think this ignorance of people is a lot worse than mentioning it because it's not like, 
Oh, you just reminded me I'd had a, like, I'd lost a baby. Yeah, also, that happens a lot with death in general, mm. I think, that people often try to just ignore, apart from when it's, you know, circumstances that they are used to, yeah. you know, like if okay. it's an older member like, of your oh, family. I'm really sorry about your grandmother. Yeah, exactly. That's but it. when it's something that's difficult for them to relate to or something that is perhaps really uncomfortable, yeah. then I find a lot of the time people will just ignore that. That's true. And I actually ended up feeling sorry for telling people and for yeah. making people feel bad. I have a child, he died. Oh, I'm really sorry. And then I'd say, oh, it's okay. So it was these really surreal situations where you suddenly end up being the one consoling the other yeah. person. Did you also find sometimes somebody who perhaps didn't even know what had happened when they would ask you something that triggered a memory? Mm. Did you find you had to make a decision in your head kind of quickly? Do I tell this person what I've been through or do I just pretend like it hasn't? Yes. At the beginning, it was really difficult. At the beginning, it was, it was a feeling of kind of betraying Teal. Oh. If I don't mention him, then it's as if he'd never happened. But I kind of got over that because I was just, I'm not even sure that I want this person to know how I feel. I'm not even sure I want this person to get this insight into my feeling. You know, mm -hmm. so I think I got quite good at making that decision. So mm -hmm. the first big thing was like, okay, am I going to see that person again? Is that person going to find out somehow? Mm -hmm. It started getting easier and easier on, you know, am I going to do it, am I not? Sometimes I just dropped really uh, sudden. The person I was talking to was just like, oh, oh, thanks. Yeah. You know, but I think sometimes my bluntness or my, my rational way of telling it was very helpful. Then I was like, it's okay. I've, I mean, it, it was really tough, but it's okay now. Mm. And then they know, oh, okay, so we can actually talk about it. It's not something where she's just going to burst into tears any moment. Mm -hmm. and, so I, I think, yeah, it, it evolves, the whole yeah. thing, the whole dealing with the grief and the, the event as yeah. such, you know, it, it's happened and I can't undo it and I don't want to undo it. What about things like your, your breast milk? Yeah. How did you cope with that? I got a pill, so I never had breast milk this okay. year, okay. which I was very happy about yeah. at the time because I only thought about it afterwards. I, I actually, it was something that just after didn't even come to my mind so they were just like here if you want the pill um, then you don't get breast milk at all and now that I'm breastfed I'm so happy I made that decision because that would have just been something else to deal with that's really really difficult I mean I have a friend and she decided against the pill because she breastfed before so she knew what was going to happen and she was very clear in her decision and why she wanted to do it but I think for her it was good because she'd experienced it before and for her it was something in connection with birth, mm. giving birth and having a child. But for me, I, it wasn't. It would have been something completely new, it would have been something painful, it would have been something terrible in that situation. Yeah. Something that reminded, I mean, it was already, it was physically painful to not have him in my arms. Mm. And that would have just been another thing that reminded me that he definitely wasn't there. But, that, that decision again, like, is something very personal that mm -hmm. everybody should, you know, maybe even think a few minutes to, to think about, take a few minutes to think about. Mm. But, yeah, there are, it's great that there are these things that you can do. That you can do, yeah, example. absolutely. And I think a lot of people wouldn't have a clue that they, no, that they I exist. Didn't, uh, I, I didn't think know. it's so great that you're talking about this. Maybe we could talk a little bit about your mental health. I mean, obviously you said that you had information about local services to, mm. to help you 
psychologically, but really like how are you doing? I mean, because obviously there's postpartum depression mm-hmm. and the people who have had a successful pregnancy and birth and they still end up going into depression. And what was that like then for, for you after loss? Was there any point where you thought you were heading down the road of depression? I don't think so, but that's because I really, I went to see somebody every week at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. The good thing is that she'd also experienced love, so she knew exactly what she was talking about, and it was her specialty, it was her focus. Mm. With her help, I could get through that, and I actually stayed with her for over, like, until after Emmy was born. Yeah. I mean, I didn't go every week in the end. Like, I think yeah, when I was pregnant with Emmy, I went once or twice a month, yeah. just to, you know, she, she was there the whole time, just after, death, then dealing with the grief, getting out of it, preparing to, you know, trying to conceive again, just getting in the right mindset. Then when I was pregnant again, she was there to accompany me the whole time, and I think that was just very, very important because I didn't feel like I went down the road to depression, but I think it could have turned around very quickly. So, especially when I look at other people that I've met who have lost children as well, where it's just from one day to the next, you just go deep, deep down. I know of the trauma services in England. Mm-hmm. I don't know about what's on offer here in Germany, specifically for... Did you find that there was an ample amount of services available to you? In Berlin, yes, but I think there's still a lot more to do than in than in the UK, for example, or in the US. Um, I think it's, it's just, it's not very well organized. So in the UK and in the US, you have these big networks of, or these big associations that do stuff. And in Germany, it's very local. So you really have to collect your information piece by piece and puzzle it all together so that it works for you and I think the advantage of living in Berlin is that here there's everything and you mm-hmm. need to drive 30 minutes and you basically you have psychologists, you have the self-help group, you have the yeah you have everything but still you need to collect the information yourself yeah. but in the countryside it's terrible. I mean mm-hmm. it's, it's I, I don't think you have these classes for example the public yeah. folk classes for, for grieving mums. I mean I had one in my yeah. class and she drove an hour and a half every week yeah. to come and see us. There's still so much to improve. Mm-hmm. Because it happens all the time. I mean, yeah. this is the ridiculous thing. Because we always think it doesn't happen, but it just it happens all the time. Mm. It happens every day. And as much as I wish it didn't, it's really important to improve the situation as it is mm-hmm. and to, to try to provide help and support. And I think it's just really important to give women the opportunity to realize that they're going to be okay or that they can be okay. There are things to help them to be okay and that they don't have to do this alone. I think the internet helps a lot. Mm. But still, it's, it's also very important to meet physically and to have somebody in front of you with whom you can talk and deal with things. Absolutely, to soundboard and to, to hear that they're going through exactly. something similar. I lost one of my sisters yeah. um, in 2010. And something that is so poignant for me every day, really, is when somebody asks, you that question, um, do you have siblings? And for you, I guess it's do you have kids? Um, and you know, that decision of what to say in yeah. that moment because I have the two sisters, yeah, actually just one now. Um, 
Yeah, how does, how does that work out for you? I have to say, it's, it's now that I actually have a living child, it's a lot easier because I can just say yes. And mm -hmm. um, before, or, or even when I was pregnant with Emmy, it's like, is this your first? Mm. That was terrible because I, often I just said yes. Because it was, especially because I was, I was meeting a lot of other pregnant mums or pregnant women. And it's just like, yes, but my other died at birth. So it's, it's, it's very, it's a very thin line mm. to decide, okay, am I going to tell this mum that I'm probably never going to see again that my child died and that hers might as well? Yeah. <laughs> because it's something that, that as a pregnant woman you don't really want to think about. Mm. But also for me it was just, I mean, I started um, a sports program about eight weeks after giving birth to Theo and it was um, a mum's it was a sports program aimed at mums who were pregnant or had given birth. So it was just really tricky when they always did those introductory rounds at the beginning. It's like, so just tell us your name, your, the age of your kids, and da 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 da. And every like, they stopped after a while when we were there. <laughs> because every time it was just really awkward. It's like, yeah, we, and, and we were three from, from our group. And. The first one in line was always like, yeah, and unfortunately he died, and <laughs> like, yeah, mine too, mine too, okay, let's just move let's on. Just move on. Um, and it's something that still, like, I still deal with when, uh, do you have kids, how many, or how old are they? Um, it, it's, it's really tricky. It's, mm. it's really terrible, and this is why I hate the question, is this your first? Yeah. Because you never know. And like, yeah. I mean, it, it's a perfectly fine question to yeah. ask, because it, it does... Um, help a lot in how you're going to continue the conversation. Yeah. You know, if, if a mum's or if, if a woman's already given birth before, mm -hmm. then obviously the topics that she's dealing with are probably a bit different than if you're a first-time mum. Yeah. But still, it's, uh, it's just hard. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and okay, well, let's maybe um, close by talking about Emmy. Yeah. Um, so, how long after Theo did you then find out that you were pregnant with uh, pretty much six months. So that was really quick. I mean, we planned it but because we said, okay, we try again after six months if we had the fear from the doctors because of the star. And they're like, yeah, the star looks fine. So we're like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll just try again. It's probably going to take a few cycles anyway. Mm. It didn't. I was pregnant first go and it was really frightening, but also okay. I think because I'd worked so hard with my psychologist and with my friends. I was in quite a stable state of mind mm. again. But it was, I think the first three months, I pretty much ignored pregnancy. Right. So, I mean, I, I was, I bonded with, with a child, but to the outside, I wasn't pregnant. Mm. I told a lot of people, but it was just not something that I discussed constantly. Right. Except with one or two very close. Yeah. People. They always say, you know, after 12 weeks you're safe, you're not. For me it was still this, okay, if I have the 12 weeks then I can start to be positive again and mm -hmm. I can start to believe in, you know, having an actual living child yeah. and that I can be positive and optimistic and I just went all in. I bought baby clothes as soon as we found out it was a girl. So it was just, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to really enjoy this pregnancy yeah. because I don't know how long it will last and I really want to get to know this child and to bond with this child mm -hmm. and I stopped working 
expecting a thirty week. I really focused on me. I focused on the pregnancy. I focused on the baby. It was a completely different experience. Thank God it was also I was very healthy. I could continue doing sports. I was I was just very aware of what was happening. And the birth, did you also have a the birth test? No, I had a C-section, a okay. planned one, because for me it was just a mental thing. I had experienced birth. Mm -hmm. I had experienced giving birth, I had experienced contractions, I knew what it was like, but I also knew that I wouldn't be relaxed. I, I didn't have this deep trust anymore in my body in the process of giving birth, Absolutely. so that was gone. Yeah. And I knew that I'd just wait for the confirmation of the heartbeat after every contraction. I knew I couldn't do it. After I made the decision, I was just so much more calm. I was just so much more relaxed and at ease with this decision that I made, so I knew that was the right decision. Mm. I didn't like a C-section. I definitely prefer that. Yeah. Mm. But for me, in that moment, it was the right decision. Again, that's a very personal thing, but for me, in that case, it was the right one, and I think it comes. I think that the decision it kind of forms in the mind. I mean, I, I now have friends and they they are going back to the birth house, mm -hmm. and I think it's great. I think it's it's really great that everybody kind of follows their own path. Yeah, it's something so personal. I mean, there is a time to do exactly what you feel exactly. is right, and that's at the exactly. time. Exactly. You know, Dina, thank you so so much for talking to me, and I'm so happy to know that you have beautiful Emmy. She is really gorgeous. She it's is. been a while since I saw her. She must be really huge now. She is. <laughs> Very heavy. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me and for telling my story and actually that of many other mothers. Lena, you're amazing. I'm so incredibly humbled by your courage and I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you for sharing with us today.